good to see all of you. No, I am not Trey Mitchell. I'm nowhere near as handsome or as wise as he is. Uh, he did pay me to say both of those things tonight, so that's why I threw that in there. Uh, if you don't know who I am, my name is Matt. I'm a member here at Underwood. I serve on your life support team. Uh, and I have my wonderful wife and two kids back there with me. We hang out in the back corner and try to not make too much noise to distract you back there. Uh, but sometimes the three-year-old and the 10-month-old went out, even though Joyce is asleep back there. So that's always a good thing. Uh, and so full-time, if you don't know what I do, I serve as your campus minister at the BCM at UNA. And so that's what I do full-time uh, every day, and I love it. I love uh, being around you guys as college students. You keep me guessing, which is always good. Uh, it helps me continue to learn and grow. And I'm thankful that Trey has given me the opportunity tonight to share with you some things. Uh, I always get nervous when I speak, just because like when you're talking about the Word of God, like you don't want to say anything wrong, right? Like this is the breath of God. I don't want to take it out of context or anything. Let my flesh get in the way. But I'm always even more nervous when the person who's like the leader of the group is in the room, right? And I even have a quote of his in my notes. So I'm going to quote the guy sitting in the back of the room, right? And so it makes me really nervous. And now he's really nervous because he's like, I've told Matt a lot of things that I don't know what's coming. It's okay. It's a good one. I didn't pick any of the ones you don't want me to say. Uh, and so if it's okay with you tonight, I just want to be personal. Can I do that? Like, can I just be transparent with you? Just peel back the layers. I think this message is going to be practical in its application. Um, and it's just going to be a little bit of who I am, my journey to where I'm at, just to peel back the layers for you and hopefully see and maybe learn a couple things from, the, from God's Word tonight. We're going to be in John chapter 15, if you want to be flipping there. When I was in your shoes as a college student just 10, 12 short years ago, I had two goals in life as a college student. I was gonna be a division one basketball coach and I was gonna make the NCAA tournament. Those were my goals. And so when Trey asked me to preach tonight, I was thinking like, what perfect opportunity to talk about college basketball. Because if you don't know, like I think tomorrow should be a national holiday, right? I mean, we got 16 games tomorrow where all those teams legitimately have a shot to win a national championship starting tomorrow, right? Like I think the world should shut down and when it should be allowed for us to just sit on the couch make 17 bowls of popcorn, and just have a day watching basketball, okay? Like, I'm in, right, Matt? You're with me. So we're good. I got at least one more with me, okay? Because this is my background. My whole life, the sport I played was basketball. From 10 years old on, basketball has been a love of my life. And so I was never good enough to play at the next level, so I was like, well, I'm going to coach it because I can't play it good enough, so I'm going to coach. And so that's what I did. I came here as a manager for the basketball team, Worked my way to by my junior year. I was a student assistant coach. I was getting to go recruiting. I was doing scouting. I was doing a lot of the things that college coaches do. And my goal, my whole dream in life was literally to chase championships. That's what I wanted to do, right? And that's what I thought God had molded me and created me to do because after all, basketball was a passion. It came natural. I'm smart in it. I love it. I was using it for the gospel. I mean, I was sharing the gospel with my players. I was bringing them to church right? So I was using those things. I was trying to stay faithful, but listen to me. We can take really good things and put them in places they were never meant to be in our life. So for me, coaching the game of basketball became everything that I was about. It became my identity. It became what I was striving for. And what I stepped out of was what Jesus is teaching in John 15 when he tells us that he's the true vine. And apart from me, you can do nothing. Because here's what was happening. The longer that I coached, 
the longer that I chased it, I was becoming unfulfilled on the inside. It's like there was just this longing, like there's got to be something more. And so silly, ignorant me was saying, well, it's just because I haven't gotten to the NCAA tournament yet. Like that was the goal, right? Like to do what all these other teams have done. Get to the NCAA tournament. Be in that March Madness, the big dance, right? And one of the funny things that coaches do, especially college coaches, and some of you may have heard people say this, but there would be a, this, there was this like thing in college coaching, right? Like we'd go up to him and be like, hey, man, how you doing? And the answer would be, man, I'm living the dream. Right? I'm living the dream. Coaching college basketball, we would say that all the time. Like everyone else would say living the dream. Right? And so that's what I want to talk to you tonight about. It's simply that. Living the dream. But dream, you can put your air quotes around. Right? Because for me, I thought I was living out my dream of college basketball coaching. And I loved what I did. And I got to do some great things. I got to do some really cool things. But none of it matters in the scope of eternity. So what I want to hopefully guide us through tonight as we talk for the next few moments about living the dream is get us to see that abiding in the love of Christ is all that matters. If we're abiding in God's love and he's called you to be a teacher, go teach, get in the classroom, and be on fire for the gospel in the classroom. But do it for the name of the Lord and not for the name of yourself. See, the whole point of me wanting to win championships was so I could say I won a championship. My teams in high school were never any good. My senior year in high school, we won three basketball games. We were three and 27. My first year at UNA, we were 19 and 10, right? That was the best team I was ever a part of, 19 and 10. The next three years at UNA, we had losing records. My two years at Jacksonville University, the grad assistant, we had losing records, and my boss got fired the second year, which was a fun time. But here I am telling people, oh, I'm living the dream. And I was miserable on the inside because I wasn't living out some of the things that we're going to talk about tonight. I might have been staying faithful in my walk with Christ. I was going to church every Sunday as much as I could. Basketball would allow me to, thinking that I'm checking the box. But that's all I was doing was just checking the box. I wasn't abiding in his love. Because, again, he says we're going to pick up in verse 8, but the first seven verses are really key. He talks about I'm the true vine. Apart from me, there is no life. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so let's pick up. John 15, verse 8. It says, By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Verse 12 says, This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than someone laid down his life for his friends. Listen to this. Jesus says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. That's pretty powerful to think about. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I've heard from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit excuse me, <clears throat> that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give to you. These things I command you so that you love one another. Listen, the first thing that I want us to understand is that living the dream is knowing his love. Living the dream is knowing his love. And this first point for some of you is just gonna be a refresher. You're like, yep, 
Got it. I'm good. But for some of you in this room that have never stepped into a relationship with Jesus Christ, this is the point I want you to pay attention to. Because the next three won't matter if you don't have this one figured out. Okay? This is the one that separates these other three. When we're talking about an abiding life, when we're talking about a life that dwells in the presence of God, a life that identifies with Jesus Christ. Listen. You and I were not made to do this alone. We were made in the image of God, and God from the beginning of time had a plan to send his son to do exactly what he said here. Greater love has no man than this than to lay down his life for his friends. Jesus Christ laid down his life for me and you, even though we're sinners, and that's why he had to die. It's because you and I are sinners. And without his death, burial, and then resurrection three days later, we have no chance of stepping into eternity. No chance. Because our righteousness, the best we can bring to the table is filthy rags. The best we can bring is filthy rags, right? My all-time coaching record is a losing record. It's below 500. It's terrible. That's why God, I think, called me into ministry because he knew I was just going to keep losing. So he kept coming. Listen, it's about abiding in Christ. There is no life, much less any kind of dream, outside of a life with Jesus Christ. He's everything. He's peace. He's joy, he's forgiveness of sins, and it takes us repenting of our sin and believing that he's exactly who he is. And listen, he says in here over and over again, right? By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Verse nine is the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Jesus loved us enough to step out of heaven, be fully God, fully man, and die for your sins. That's love. That's real love, right? And he says, after so have I loved you, abide in my love. He simply says, just live in me. Just live in me and let me do the rest. Because what we're going to talk about later is that bearing fruit is nothing we can do. It's a work of the Spirit through us. We can try it all day long. And listen, you can think you know God all day long with your head. You can quote Scripture. You can say all the right things. You can come to church all you want, and it doesn't mean that you're a believer of Jesus Christ. Right? Basketball is going to be a running theme through this. So those of you that don't understand basketball, I'm sorry. There's some other things that you might relate to, Right? But if I was to pull out a Michael Jordan jersey and put it on right now, I'm no more Michael Jordan than I was before I put the jersey on, right? Like, I can't go dunk from the free throw line just because I'm wearing the Chicago Bulls number 23 jersey. I can try all I want, but I'm not going to get there because I can't even dunk regularly. I'll probably break something, right? So I can put that jersey on and think that I'm Michael Jordan all day long, but I'm still Matt Daniels. I'm still 32 years old, pale, unathletic, 160-pound, husband and dad, trying to figure it out. I can put that jersey on. Look, and we can get more relatable, right? When I was a kid, I wanted to be Steve Nash. Those of you who are basketball fans know what I'm talking about. He was a point guard. He was awesome. He ran around. He dribbled all the time, shot threes. He had long, beautiful, flowing hair, right? Like, that's what I wanted to do. I just wanted to run around, have my hair flowing, shoot threes, pass the ball, make a bunch of money. I can put my Steve Nash jersey on that I have, that I love, that's got the old Suns logo with the ball coming across it. I think it's the most glorious thing ever, right? I'm still not Steve Nash. I'm still Matt Daniels. Listen to me. You can fake the Christian life all you want, but you're only deceiving yourself. A real relationship with Jesus Christ is one that starts with true repentance, true belief, and knowing his love, understanding that he loves me enough to die for me, and so I believe that he is exactly who he says he is, and so I'm going to give my life to him. Full surrender, full dependence. I'm going to know his love. And those of you who are in Christ tonight, you know Knowing the love of Jesus is better than any dream we can come up with. Right? Amen? Like, 
The peace of God and knowing that if I die on my way home tonight, I'm going to see Jesus on the other side, that's pretty good. There's a lot of peace in that. I have hope. When suffering comes, I have hope. When hard times come, I have joy because I know I belong to Jesus Christ. And that when God the Father looks at me, he no longer sees Matt Daniels, hallelujah, he sees Jesus Christ because I'm dressed in his righteousness. Living the dream is knowing his love. If you don't know his love, listen, there's plenty of people here who will help you know his love tonight. I'd love to help you do that. Plenty of people here. This is what we're about here at Underwood, is knowing his love. I want you to know his love. You can't live any dream. You can't fake this. You can have all the head knowledge you want, but listen to me. If it's not a heart and soul transformational change, you don't know his love, and the rest of this won't matter. So the first thing is knowing his love. The second thing is, is expressing his call. Living the dream is expressing his call. See, this is where I got called up in my coaching dreams is I was using the gifts and the passions that God had given me to chase my desires, to chase worldly pleasures. Instead of using those gifts, those desires, those passions that he gave me for his glory and his glory alone. It's not about us, believers, saints, brothers and sisters in the room. Listen, it's not about me and you. It's about Jesus Christ. And the universal call on all of our lives is now to go and make disciples. However that looks, not all of you are called to ministry. I get sometimes you hear a message like this and you think, well, that guy's telling me I'm called to ministry. No, I'm not telling you that. If you think you're called to ministry, go do something else first. That'll make sense later. Listen, what I'm telling you is, is whatever the gifts and the passions and the skills that God has given you, craft those in the word of God and use those for the kingdom. We need nurses who are on fire for the gospel in the hospital. We need lawyers who will step in the courtroom representing Jesus Christ and not representing just their client. We need teachers. We need bus drivers. We need coaches. We need those people. I was talking to a student just last week who's an accounting major who's literally 12 months away from graduation, right? And he's struggling with a lot of things. He's struggling with post-graduation, but he literally said, I know that I need to be in the secular workplace because I can have gospel conversations there that you'll never get to have. And he's 100% right. That's the mindset of living the dream of a Christ-centered life. That's what Jesus is talking about when he says, so prove to be my disciples. Listen, there's two things here in this passage here that's so important. He says, you did not choose me in verse 16, but I chose you and appointed you. Think about that. God chose you. He appointed you. You. You, all of us who are believers, we've been chosen and appointed, right? Trey said a while back, he says this a couple times. I can't remember the last time he said it, but every time he says it, it sticks with me. He says, love experienced is love expressed. And you probably stole that from somebody, I don't know, but I'm giving you credit. Love experienced is love expressed, right? If we've experienced the love of Jesus, we can't help but express that. We don't need to be love of Jesus hoarders and just keep it to ourselves. It wasn't meant just for you. It's meant for everyone around you. Listen, think about this when it says he chose you. This isn't just Matt's opinion, right? This is the word of God. Listen to all this just from scripture about how he chose you. Deuteronomy 7, 6 says, For you are a people, holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. Jeremiah 1, 5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. 
Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand so that we could walk in them. Ephesians 1.5. He predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. 1 Corinthians 6, 20, for you have been bought with a price, so glorify God with a body. Do you see from the beginning of time, God's plan was to choose you and to put you into the work of the gospel. That's why we're here, folks. If it was just about you and me being saved, I don't think Jesus would make us go through everything we go through. He would just bring us on to eternity. But he leaves us here because there's lost and dying people who need to hear and see the gospel in our life. And living the dream is simply expressing that call. We all have the universal call as Christians to do this. But listen, he also appointed you in 1 Peter 2.9. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 2 Thessalonians 2.14, he called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 2.21, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Philippians 3.14, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. 2 Timothy 1.9, he has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Listen, Jesus Christ has called you and appointed you for one thing, and that's to make his name known. Express this call to the people around you. His call is for us to be disciples. His call is for us to make disciples. And listen, his call is the only one that matters. Listen, I'm not telling you to not have a good career. I'm not telling you to not chase those things and be really good at it. Be the best whatever it is that you think you're supposed to be for the glory of the Father. Be the best at it. You should have that desire. As Christians, we should have the desire to be the best we can be. Because we're a temple of the Holy Spirit. We're carrying the Holy Spirit with us. We represent the Holy Spirit in everything that we do. But that call is the only one that matters. Being a teacher, being a doctor, being whatever, a banker, being a stay-at-home mom, as my wife is, being a minister of the gospel, being a police officer, whatever it is that God has, the physical things on this earth, they're temporal, they don't matter. The call of God is what matters, so express that. Express it. Use the gifts for his glory but don't chase your desires and worldly pleasures. Listen, if you're gonna chase money, there's not enough of it. I promise. If you're gonna chase championships, there's not enough you can win. If you're chasing this big fancy house, there's not one big enough and there's not one fancy enough. Somebody's gonna have a bigger one and someone's gonna have a fancier one. And no matter what house you own, they're all gonna have problems. You all will experience the joy of homeowning one day. All of that stuff doesn't matter in the end. It doesn't matter, I'm telling you. You're like, well, yeah, that's easy for you to say. You're married, you're a minister. Like, when I was in your shoes, I wish somebody would have told me what I'm telling you tonight. Because I was chasing basketball hard, and nobody ever stopped me. I had ministers in my life that, would, that were encouraging it. Yeah, go be a great coach. But I was missing what God had for me. In the back of my mind, when I was in college the whole time, too, was the thought that I was called to ministry. But I never told anybody and I never did anything because I wanted to cut down the nets. And I look back on that and go, man, that was so silly. 
Don't miss that he's chosen you and appointed you. So express this call. The third thing, living the dream of Christ is speaking his truth. He said it in here. My words will abide in you. My words. And those words weren't just meant to just sit inside of us and just live. Those words were meant to be shared. Those words were meant to be spoken words. Listen, the things that we're passionate about are the things that we talk about. I'm still very passionate about the game of basketball. I still talk about it a lot. But if I'm talking about the game of basketball more than I'm talking about Jesus Christ, I'm missing the mark on expressing his call. You and I have to speak this truth into people's lives. Listen, the greatest act of love that we can ever do for somebody is to tell them about Jesus. If we truly love someone, we will take the opportunity to tell them the good news of the gospel in our life because, again, love experienced is love expressed. And listen, the things that we talk about are the things that we live about, right? If you talk about shopping at Target all the time, you probably go every day. If you talk about hunting all the time, you're probably in the woods every weekend, every chance you get. For me, if I talk about basketball, guess what I do every night before I go to bed? Morgan's putting Luke down. I've got Joyce. I'm rocking her to sleep. And guess what I do? I turn on a basketball game. The things that we're passionate about, we talk about. The things that we talk about are the things that we live about. And for you and I as believers, it should be the gospel. We should be passionate about the gospel. We should be speaking the gospel. Listen, this is why God has put you exactly where he's put you. In your classroom, in your sorority, in your team, in your workplace. Listen, you spend more of your time in those places with those people, right? Mission trips are great. Go on all the mission trips you want to. But remember, the majority of your time is exactly where God has placed you. For those of you on the college campus, whether it's Northwest Shoals, UNA, wherever you're at, God has put you there for a couple years, four years, five years, nine years for some of you, right? Use that for the gospel to speak the truth. That's why he's put you there. I'll share this story with you because I think it's pretty powerful in this. And this is a, just again, it's a personal story from when I was coaching. This is not to brag on me. This is just to give you a real life example that when we share the gospel, it works. Okay? Not because of anything we do, but because the gospel is still about transforming lives. So when I was at Jacksonville University down in Florida as a grad assistant, we had a guy on our staff by the name of Don Anderson. And we called Don Anderson Coach A. Coach A had been coaching basketball for 45 years when I met him. Bigger, heavy set guy. When he laughed, his belly would like bounce. It was awesome. He, big belly laugh guy, was a, and always laughing, like one of the funniest people I've ever been around. Coach A and I just connected in a real way early on. Our, our jobs went hand in hand. He was our director of operations. I was the grad assistant. So we did everything behind the scenes, all the film, all the food, all the travel. So we had to be very close. And we got close really quick. And I quickly began to realize that Coach A was not a believer, but we would talk life. We would talk philosophy in the office while we were working on things. And about six months into knowing Coach A, his kidneys started failing. Both of his kidneys started failing. Actually, they were working at less than 15%. He needed a double kidney transplant. But he couldn't get one because of his size. Couldn't ever get matched. So he went on dialysis seven days a week. He would have to go sit on dialysis for three hours. Any of you that's had family members that have experienced that, you know how grueling that is. And so Coach A began to get to the point where he couldn't drive to his dialysis appointment. So me and my ball is Coach Warren, which Coach Warren played for Coach A in college, just to tell you the family atmosphere that we, we worked with. 
Coach Warren and I would rotate days that we would take Coach A to dialysis. So while Coach A was on dialysis, I just was like, well, he's a captive audience. We've ran out of things to talk about, so let's just talk about the gospel. So we began to talk about the gospel and scripture, and Coach A was a father. His son was 15 at the time. And we would just talk through all that in the form of, like, what is he giving to his son? Son was a big-time lacrosse player. Actually went on to play lacrosse at Johns Hopkins. If you know anything about college lacrosse, you know that's like a primo program to go to. So about a year and a half ago, I get the phone call that nobody ever wants to hear and that Coach A had passed away. And in all that time of sharing the gospel with him, he had never accepted in any of the conversations with me. So when I got that phone call, I was broken because I truly thought that Coach A was in hell. I came home, told Morgan. And it just... It hurt. It was about two days after I got that phone call, I got another phone call from a coaching friend who's a believer. He called me and said, man, I bet you're just in celebration mode. I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, about Coach A, man. Like, I'm like, I'm not celebrating that dude's death. What are you talking about, man? He was like, he never told you. I was like, dude, you're going to have to like, give me some details here because I'm starting to get a little frustrated. He was like, man, the, the last week that you were in Jacksonville that you took Coach A to dialysis, you dropped him off at home one night and he called me. He said, Matt's been telling me for a year and a half now about this Jesus, and I'm ready to believe. Can you help me? I never knew Coach A gave his life to Jesus Christ until 48 hours after I found out his death. And I can't wait for that big belly laugh in heaven one day. It's going to be an awesome time. And I know that man's made a lot of people smile up in heaven, worshiping Jesus together. Listen to me. Wherever you're at, I'm telling you, use it for the gospel and let God do what he does. You won't regret it. For 48 hours, I regretted my relationship with Coach A. But then when I got that call, phone call from my buddy Pete, I was like, man, I am so glad I got to spend two years with the Don Anderson that none of you know. I wish you all did. I wish he was sitting in this room because you would love him. But I'm not wishing he was here anymore because you know what? He's with Jesus and I'm kind of jealous of him. Think about it. In your life, when you've shared the gospel, have you ever regretted it? Have you ever walked away from that and go, well, that was a fat mistake? There's a lot of other things in life we walk away from going, man, I wish I didn't do that. But the gospel's not it. Last thing, and I'll finish with this. Living the dream, simply living the dream of Christ, living the dream of walking this out with Christ is bearing his fruit. All through John 15, that's what he talks about. If you are my disciples, you will bear my fruit. And notice he calls it my fruit. It's not your fruit. It's not our fruit. You and I can't produce this on our own. It's simply being connected to the true vine, as he says in John 15:1. I'm the true vine. Once we know his love, we just stay connected to him, and he bears the fruit. And it makes sense, right? Like, if you think about an actual physical vine, how it just engulfs everything, right? Like an ivy on the side of a house. It just takes over the whole side of the house. And never once do you ever look at this side of the house with all the ivy, and you go, wow, look at that one branch right there. We notice the whole thing, the essence of the ivy, right? Listen, it's not about us. It's about bearing his fruit. It's about all of us connected to Jesus as the body of Christ, proving to be his disciples. Everything the world needs to see should be seen in me. 
Everything the world needs to see should be seen in you. Because everything they need is Jesus Christ. Every time when I hear somebody's hurting, when they're searching, I just think, you just need Jesus. Can I show you Jesus? Do they see Jesus in me? Does somebody look at my life and go, there's joy there? Does somebody look at my life and go, there's forgiveness there? Does somebody look at my life and go, there's peace, there's hope? Because listen, I can chase the American dream all I want, and all I'm leading people down is the road of hopelessness. I think about all the players that I coached that I never shared the gospel with. And what a big waste of time all that was. Go through all that practice, all that travel, all those games, and never once tell them about Jesus Christ. That's not bearing his fruit. That's trying to bear my fruit. Because listen, bearing, his, bearing fruit is his work through us so that the world can know his glory. If the world never remembers Matt Daniels, if none of you ever remember me, but you remember Jesus Christ because of me, awesome. Because that's what it's about. If you forget Trey Mitchell's name when you're 80 years old, but Trey Mitchell helped you love Jesus more, that's all he cares about. Because that's what it's about, right? You with me? The fruits of the Spirit, it's the Holy Spirit. We prove to be his disciples here, right? By this, my Father's glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. You and I most glorify God when we're simply about his work. In whatever it is that we're doing, in the class tomorrow, be about bearing the fruit of Jesus Christ. Because there's somebody there that needs to see that fruit. When you get the opportunity to speak that truth, speak it. Because it's obviously they need to hear it. Right? This is as simply as I can put it to you. Just learn from my mistakes. If I can save you a few years of heartache, that's what I want to do. We prove, to his, we prove to be his disciples, excuse me, by learning the word of God. Learn the word of God. Study it. We prove to be his disciples by sharing the word of God. We prove to be his disciples by discipling someone else. Listen, believers in the room, I can't encourage you enough to be pouring into somebody else, to be discipling someone else, to raise up another disciple who's going to go and make disciples. It's the Great Commission, right, Matthew 28, 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He says it again in Mark 16, 15. He said to them, go into the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. In Luke, he says, this is written, that Christ should suffer on the third day, rise from the, again, rise from the dead, excuse me, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. In John 20, 21, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, a lot of you know it. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the end of the earth. And then in Romans, he says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they've never heard? How is a lost person ever going to know Jesus Christ if you and I aren't living it out? How are they ever going to know Jesus Christ if we aren't talking about it? That's a big job. It's a lot of pressure, but it's all we're called to do. That is the dream. And listen, we also prove to be the disciple, be his disciples when we serve. Listen, we need to stop performing for God and let him perform through us. Too many of us are trying to put on a performance for God and just letting him, and we need to just let him do the work. That's what I was trying to do as a coach. I was trying to use coaching as a performance for God. Look at me. Woohoo! I'm a college basketball coach. Look at all these things I can do. Look at all these people I have around me. Ain't I doing a lot of good things, God? 
And when I learned to just let go, to just let go of my desires, here's the funny thing that God does. He knows how you're gifted. He knows how you're passionate because he made you, right? I mean, you know your creations. If any of you are painters or sculptors or any kind of creative gene in you, I don't have that. But when you make something, you're like, I made this. And you know everything about it. You know what it took to get there. You know the process it went through, right? Some of you that played sports, you understand that. The process it takes to just get to the actual game, much less the actual result. Jesus knows that about you. He's gifted you. He's wired you. When we put it in his hands and let him do it how he wants to, it's funny how he turns around and gives it back to us, right? So, for example, I get to serve as our character coach for our men's basketball team at UNF. I get to go to practice. I get to be in the locker room. I get to hang out with the guys. But I also get one session a week with them where I get to sit and talk life and talk the gospel with them. And that's awesome. That's not bragging on me. That's what God does. That's how he intended the game of basketball to be used in my life. Same thing he's gifted you with, that he's made you passionate about. He's got a reason he wants to use it for the kingdom. The question is, is are you willing to let him do that? Because again, it's not about me and you. When we can realize that, when we can step away from that, I'm telling you, there's no such thing as living the dream anymore because we're just living out eternity now. And that's better than anything we can dream. Hey, this is Trey Mitchell, college and young adult pastor. I just wanted to say thank you for listening. It's our prayer that God uses these messages in a way that challenge and encourage you to live for his glory. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus as your Savior, we would love to help you with making that decision. Just reach out to us through our webpage at underwoodbaptist.org. Be sure to check back in with us next week as we again encounter God through his word here at Life.